BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time of the Ben Jarowski show as I speak. It's uh, Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Of course, uh, that's just the day we're recording this. You're going to hear it anytime. It's our first ever uh, Super Bowl uh, show. I'm, I'm an incredible uh, Bears fan. I don't know if that accounts as a football fan. Uh, a lifelong Bears fan. I've been a Bears fan longer than my distinguished guest has been alive. Let's just pause and think about that. My okay, I'll take that. Football. He knows. I'll me. take that. <laughs> he, I've been a fan longer than he's been alive. But before I do that, I want to give you an idea. What's Since we're talking sports, I'm going to give you an idea what's in the sports, what's in the world, what's going on in the world today. Uh, and here's a headline of my beloved bright one, Home Delivered. It's sports-related. Lawrence Holmes, uh, sometimes calmness and a radio personality, very good sports uh, show uh, host. Uh, these are fatal flaws, writing about my beloved Bulls. Oh, my poor beloved Bulls. Last night I was at the game with my dear friend Norm. Shout out, Norm. And we watched the Bulls literally throw the game away. This is like the Bulls said, you know what, guys? We don't want to win this game. So let's think of some creative ways we could possibly lose the game. I know we could lose the game by missing crucial free throws at the end of the game. Man, that's not going to seal the deal. We still have a chance to win it. I know we'll throw the ball away when we're inbounding it at a moment we could potentially tie the game. And I thought the Bears, I thought the Chicago Bears had exhausted all the creative ways to lose a game. But then last night I watched my beloved Bulls do it to <laughs> Just throw the game. Here you go, Kawhi Leonard, L.A. Clippers. Here you go, Paul George. Please take this game. We don't want it. And, you know, and uh, yeah. Lawrence Holmes just draws the obvious conclusion that uh, the Chicago Bulls team, as is constituted, is a, uh, <laughs> a sham and a scam. And they're not going to win anything. And they should just start trading pieces and blow the whole thing up. Well, that's easy for Lawrence Holmes to say. He's got a nice job as a talk show host. Norman and I are ticket holders. <laughs> What a bunch of saps and suckers. All right, without further ado, <laughs> I'll dry my tears. Ah, I'm crying. By the way, I have to give a shout out. Uh, uh, Moise Bawani, uh, who's an Alderman candidate in the 50th Ward and a diehard sports fan, has pointed out to me 
that Lawrence Holmes and uh, his co co-hosts uh, on the radio have moved to the left, politically speaking, and are now saying nice things about Brandon Johnson. I, when I heard that, I passed out because, you know, sports talk show hosts are usually being pretty conservative in this town, but it's it's a healthy sign. I think we got a few liberals uh, on the mics at sports. All right. Without further ado, I want to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself. So, distinguished guest, you've already spoken. Introduce yourself now. Lee Allen Jones, Super Bear fan, Chicago fan. And more than that, a Green Party candidate, a proud leftist. Uh, but we will stay out of politics and talk. Although, we, who knows with me and Lee Allen, politics you can may go uh, anywhere. You can go anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Uh, all right. Uh, Lee Allen, I, I say this, I don't agree with everything he says, but I do believe he's one of the smartest football minds that I know in the city who's not literally coaching the game. Uh, so I turned to him to do a Super Bowl preview and also talk about the Bears. He's way more optimistic about the Bears than I am. Well, Ben, I got to mention something, too, that you will be proud of. I have two young men that I mentored uh, that are products of Chicago public schools are in the draft. Um, Jahari Branch, who played uh, offensive line at Wendell Phillips and at the University of Maryland, uh, he's in the NFL draft. And Marquise Burks, who played at Curie and played at Auburn, he's in the draft as well as a defensive lineman. So, I, you know, I, I feel really good about my, my developmental skills, having worked and mentored both of these young men over the years. And now they're uh, getting the opportunity to pursue their lifelong dream. Well, that's, that's great. Should the Bears draft uh, either one of them? I don't know. They're 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 probably going to be late round guys, but Jahari, but they're you know Jahari plays center and guard, played in the Big Ten. Uh, so who knows? Well, we could use some Chicago. I always like when a, at least there's at least one Chicago guy on, on on the roster. You got a couple this year. I mean, we're talking about the Bears. You've got John Michael Schmitz, who's the top center in the draft, who played at home with Flossmore and played at Minnesota's in the draft, and then I want to say Peter Skaronsky might be the top guard tackle out of Northwestern. And he played at, um, I want to say, what is that school? Where, 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 where's Hillary Clinton from? Maine South. That's where, yeah, yeah, yeah. He played at Maine South, the kid from Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, Actually, Karansky. I'm not sure. There was no, I don't believe there was, uh, we're in a tangent with it, a tangent. I don't believe there was a Maine South division uh, back when Hillary Clinton graduated. Yeah, but she's uh, from, from Maine but she's from Park. She's from that neighborhood. I yeah, mean, she's from that neighborhood. I think there was just what is now Maine East, but I could be wrong, and I'm sure a listener will correct me because they love to correct me, and I'm wrong a lot. All right. Um, so before we get to the Bears uh, and uh, your prognosis of the Bears, and ladies and gentlemen, man, you could, I wish you could be recipients of Bear Gay's uh, text from uh, Lee Allen because no matter what's happening, he sees the bright side. Uh, but um, let's talk Super Bowl. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, versus Kansas City Chiefs. And as I told you before the show, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes, so I will be rooting for the Chiefs. Uh, what's your analysis of this show? It's going to be tough. I mean, uh, my good friend Jeff Stoutland is the offensive line coach uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think that's where uh, the Super Bowl is going to be won. It's going to be won in the trenches. Uh, so, you know, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they have – a very good offensive line, but they're also very good on the defensive line. They led the NFL in sacks by a wide margin. I mean, Hassan Reddick is, uh, it looks almost unblockable 
Uh, I mean, he basically beat uh, San Francisco by himself when he knocked out Brock Purdy from the game. I mean, he he terrorized that game. So uh, I think Philadelphia, I think it's going to be a good one for the ages. First uh, Super Bowl with, you know, two quarterbacks uh, from African with African-American descent. Both of them are from Texas. It's, you know, you got two brothers on the opposing team. Uh, Travis Kelsey, the tight end for Kansas City. Uh, his uh, brother, his, his brother is the center for the Eagles. So this, this is a, it's a great Super Bowl matchup. Uh, and uh, are you a betting man? I'm not a gambler. You're not a gambler, okay? Uh, so you're not going to say who you would uh, bet on if you were. I, I would take I would take Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is is I think that defensive line for Philadelphia could give uh, Kansas City a lot of problems. You know, Mahomes still had that uh, high ankle sprain as well. He persevered through uh, in the game against Cincinnati, and the Eagles have a far better defensive line uh, than uh, Cincinnati did. So that's where I think the game's going to be won up is 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 in those trenches. I um, now I'm going to get into something uh, that I deal with all the time uh, when when I get into arguments with my friends. So there's a difference between who you want to win and who you think is going to win. Okay. And so I think Philadelphia will win. If I were still a betting man, as opposed to being the reformed gambler that I am, uh, I would bet on Philadelphia. I want Kansas City to win. So when I say that that to my friend, well, I'll get into my love for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, We will get into my love for Patrick Mahomes, and then we'll get into your theories about Patrick Mahomes. But when I say that to many of my friends, they, they chastise me for being inconsistent. As though you should think the team you want to win will win, even though your head tells you they won't win, precisely because of I'm worried about Patrick Mahomes' uh, limitations with the ankle. I don't think that ankle's going to heal in two weeks. I've seen, you know, that that's a serious ankle uh, problem he's dealing with. So, do you s- subscribe to? We'll call it the norm theory that you should always root for. You should predict the team you root for will be the winner. Go. I don't know. I, I don't. I just, I just try to look at it and be as objective as I can based on matchups. And uh, the matchups I see are that Philadelphia defensive line, principally Hassan Reddick, uh, going against that right tackle. And I just don't see them having a plan for Hassan Reddick, knowing that Patrick Mahomes won't be at full strength to avoid that pressure that they're going to bring on him. And I mean, and they know that. I mean, so, you know, it's like, you know, when you know somebody's hurt, you're those defensive linemen and you know if you bring that pressure, it can really affect this game. Um, And then Philadelphia is going to be able to run the football as well. They're going to be able to run the football and, and control the clock. And I think Jalen Hurts is in a position now, if he becomes a Super Bowl winner after he got pulled, remember, remember he got pulled for Tua Tagliavoa to come in against Alabama and win that national championship game. Uh, he gets a lot of redemption off of this. And it, it's, it's, you know, and he, and he's a story. I mean, he's a young man whose father was incarcerated and a high school football coach. And he's getting, a, and, and he persevered through what happened at Alabama went to Oklahoma. So when you just look at it, I mean, you know, he he's back and he persevered and you always have to take, uh, you know, but the thing is, these are all young quarterbacks. So you're going to see these battles over and over and over again. 
because uh, these are these guys don't have these guys are going to be around for the next ten years. So you're looking at an entire new generation of quarterbacks, uh, and you're and you're seeing that on display with the two that you're seeing this week. You saw Joe Burrow, who's in that class of quarterbacks who lost. Um, and then, you know, the, and then San Francisco, you don't know who their quarterback is going to be because they drafted Trey Lance, who got hurt. But then Mr. Pitt, you know, Pitt to whatever it was, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy comes in and brings them to the NFC championship game where he gets hurt. So you just, I mean, these are young quarterbacks. That's why the NFL is about, is, is, is making a lot of money. I mean, because you got these young quarterbacks that are throwing the ball. Matter of fact, A.J. Brown, the wide receiver, another he, – he has family from Chicago. I played with his cousin at King High School, Tremaine Hill, A.J. Brown from Mississippi. So there's just a lot of different relationships here, you know, that is going to the Super Bowl. That's why you text me the picture of A.J. Brown's mother. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, – yeah, her family, her cousins live right near Washington Park. Yeah, yeah, as I came out of nowhere once. Uh, by the way, uh, so he calls him Brock Peters. Uh, but excuse me, Brock Purdy, the, Mr. Irrelevant, because he was the last pick in the draft for the, for, for the San Francisco last year. <laughs> the last pick in the draft is and better than everyone to the Bears took. And he, and, he, and he brought them to the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, that just lets you know how good the development is in uh, that Cal Shanahan scheme and developing quarterbacks because, I mean, they basically went through three quarterbacks this year to get to where they got. They went through Trey Lance, who started against the Bears, when we beat uh, the 49ers in the monsoon game, and then uh, he gets hurt, and then Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, the kid from you know Arlington Heights, he gets hurt, and then Brock Purdy comes in, and then he gets hurt, and then they bring in Josh Johnson, the 13-year NFL vet that's been a backup. And he's and think about it, Josh Johnson is a black man that's been a backup quarterback in the NFL for 13 years. I mean, that's that's saying a lot. And Jim Harbaugh was the guy that brought him in. Yeah, and by the way, they didn't let him throw the ball. I'm like, just let him throw the ball. Why is he? Why are you handing off the ball? It's tough if you if you haven't been getting those snaps. You, I mean, you're playing a defense like you were playing. It, it, it's not as simple as you want to make it out to be. No, uh, uh, that, but by the way, that is a favorite. Uh, Lee Allen refrain. <laughs> he pointing out, I'm making these observations from the comfort of a couch where I'm watching the game, as opposed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, I'm telling you, did, did you see how fast Hassan Reddick? Was coming yeah. off that edge. I mean, that guy was—he was basically almost coming off unblocked because he can bend his ability to bend off the edge, and that's the same thing I see uh, in the Super Bowl. That guy—I mean, he's just—he's just really unblockable. Yeah. By the way, I do remember uh, that Alabama championship game when uh, Saban uh, took uh, Jalen Hurts out of the game. I—I want to say it was halftime, but I, I, my memory could be wrong. Yeah, yeah it was halftime. It was halftime. They took him out and they brought in Tua. And Tua won that national championship. And then Tua, because I want to say Tua was a freshman at that point. Yes, he was. He was a freshman. Tua was a yeah. freshman. So they brought Tua in because he had, and, and he ended up winning that national championship. And Jalen transferred to Oklahoma, uh, who's, you know, and now his head coach, I want to say, is the head coach at USC, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that, so, it, and this gets into the fickleness of sports fans because instantaneously, uh, Jalen Hurts was who was a heralded quarterback when they came. It was a championship game. He led them to the championship game. All of a sudden, he's no good. Two is the man. 
it, it, that's how that's the the verdict is so fast in the world of sports. It's but you know what's funny. But you know what's funny. Uh, Jalen Hurts, the the his office of coordinator, a co office of coordinator at Alabama was Mike Loxley, who is now the head coach at Maryland. Who I've known Mike Loxley going on fifteen years because remember Juice Williams, who was the quarterback at Illinois. Uh, Loxley was his quarterback's coach at Illinois and offensive coordinator. And now Loxley is coaching uh, Talia Tagliavoa, who is um, uh, uh, the other Tagliavoa's brother that played uh, to his brother is playing at Maryland. And he's the all time leading passer in Maryland history. For 10 trivia points, Lee Allen Jones, what high school did Isaiah Juice Williams graduate from? Go. Sh- uh, Chicago Vocational. Was, Isaiah Juice ooh. Williams? Yes. Yeah, Isaiah Juice Williams. You can't die. I could have got that with half a brain. I go <laughs> vocational. Isaiah Juice Williams. I think it was the don't I think it was class of 2006. Yeah, uh, I want to say that. Yeah, because him and Demetrius Jones, uh, who played after Cam Buckner at Morgan Park, they were the two top quarterbacks in the country. And it was the first time in Illinois history and that two inner city quarterbacks were two of the top quarterbacks in the country. And Demetrius ended up going to play at Notre Dame under Charlie Weiss. And then I want to say, what was the quarter? I can't remember the quarterback that came behind him that knocked him out. It was like the number one player in America that came back and played for the Bears at one point. This man will come to me. Uh, but he was supposed to be the golden boy that went to Notre Dame. And then it spiraled after that for uh, Demetrius. But Juice and had if a, he ended a, up a, playing for the Bears, he really yeah, spiraled. Yes, and yes, I'm not talking yes, about a path yes. spiral. Um, so, all right, I didn't mean to go down that uh, tangent uh, about uh, Juice Williams, who I think is still playing in Chicago uh, in one of the. No, nah, Juice is in. He's in. He was. He was, but he's in banking now. He lives out in D.C. with his wife. Nobody was playing. There's a a, a flag. Yeah, he played. Yeah, 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 yeah. Out there with all of the old right retired. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I got a friend, shout out Nick, who plays in that. All right. Uh, so uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Jimmy Clawson. That was the quarterback, Jimmy oh, Clawson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the guy. Oh, my God. Uh, Bears had uh, Jimmy Clawson for about a half a year or something like that. Um, so, all right. Uh, not mentioned uh, in uh, all the names you mentioned was the fact that the you didn't mention the Bears quarterback. Justin right Fields? Now. Yes. We'll, and, uh, I mean, I I'm a, I, he's I in that pantheon. He's in that. We have a we have a quarterback for this era of quarterbacks. When have we been able to say that for the Bears? So we're, we're going to save that for the Bears. I just want to uh, pigeon, put pigeonhole that one. I want to go back to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I believe that Patrick Mahomes, I told you this, is the greatest quarterback of this century. Now, when I say this to my friends who love Tom Brady, they say Tom Brady's the GOAT. And I go, I acknowledge that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in terms of, uh, you can't argue at seven Super Bowls, okay? But Patrick Mahomes, I believe, will has exceeds him in talent uh, and will be the greatest of his generation. Uh, and I just... I've believed that since the moment I first saw him uh, throw the football in the NFL. And it's just like his uh, ability to throw on the run, uh, his ability to make these quick decisions uh, when, when the rush is on top of him. Uh, I, he has a charisma on the field 
uh, Lee Allen, that I can't think of another quarterback in this century who possesses. So I think he's uh, the greatest quarterback. of. I shouldn't say this century because Brady's in this century as well, of his generation. That is my opinion. When I say that, I have a lot of friends who are Patrick Mahomes haters, and they hate on Patrick Mahomes. So what's your position on Patrick Mahomes uh, as the quarterback? Go. At right now, Patrick Mahomes only has one Super Bowl, if I'm if um, I'm correct. He lost one Super Bowl. So, I mean, but in terms of talent, uh, I think we talked about this pre-show is that, I mean, his father was a, a very successful Major League Baseball pitcher. And you can't take away um, his leadership and his charisma coming from the fact that he grew up in locker rooms with grown men his entire life. Uh, and so when you take that into account, I mean, his father was a was a black major league pitcher that was good. And he was in that locker room from from the time he was born until he was in high school. So his and you, know, you got to think about it. I've heard about Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, when they drafted him in Kansas City. Because I remember I mentioned to you that Jeff Allen, who played at King High School, who I mentored and coached who played at Illinois, who got drafted by Kansas City, he told me about Pat Mahomes uh, the first week that they, uh, you know, after they drafted him, who won the veteran minicamp, about his ability to be a, a, a transformational quarterback. And what's funny about it is we haven't mentioned Matt Nagy, you know, who was the former Bears head coach, who was his, you know, office, a court coordinator, quarterback developer when he was at Kansas City that got him the job in Chicago, and now he's back. And he's on the sideline making it, you know, standing next to Pat Mahomes to get another ring. But I think Patrick Mahomes is a generational talented quarterback. But I think it's going to be tougher. If we just found out that yesterday, Sean Payton, uh, the former, the Chicago and Sean Payton, the former head coach of the New Orleans Saints, just became the head coach of the Denver Broncos, which is in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs. And he has Russell Wilson. So, um it's it's it, I just think that it's, this is the this is the greatest period I think in the history of the NFL with so many with so many proven commodities at head coach and quarterback that are now aligning themselves. I mean, the NFL could basically the NFL money might be worth more than U.S. money uh, than than American dollar by the time this is over with. Uh, so, where do you place uh, Justin Fields? He's uh Justin Fields is up there talent wise with the Pat Mahomes, with a Jalen Hurts, with the Joe Burrow, with the Josh Allen. From a talent standpoint, he's right there. And the most important thing, he's gonna be in a scheme for the first time with, with the same coordinator, uh, with uh, Luke Getsy in a two year period. And you're gonna see the benefit of that if Luke Getsy doesn't get hired um, you know, with the only job available now being Indianapolis. All right. So what gives you confidence to say that about Justin Fields based on what you saw this year? I'm going to push back a little bit with you. He's a leader. I mean, when you just look at the quarterback position, you have to be a leader. The men around you have to believe in your abilities to lead them to victory. And Justin Fields demonstrated that uh, on a team that did that was not really ready to go to the levels he could have taken them. He, I mean, he led the NFL in rushing. Uh, he had, I mean, he basically was on his own out there. He didn't have an offensive line, and and the Bears only the Bears lost seven games by one possession or less. I mean, we only lost by one possession in Philadelphia. We beat 
Uh, we beat the 49ers. Uh, we beat uh, – who else we beat this year? We beat uh, the Patriots on the road, and we beat the Texans. But we only we, – when we played Dallas at Dallas, we were in all of those games until we had a fumble, an untimely uh, interception, a drop against Green Bay. So when you look at the marginal things that we lost by and you come back next year and having more familiarity in the scheme – and then adding the pieces that you need around him, I don't see why Justin Fields won't be in the same, won't have the same um, uh, third year that Jalen Hurts did in Philadelphia. Even more because he has more talent than Jalen Hurts. You think he has more talent than Jalen? He's six three. Jay, he's six three. He ran a four four at six three, two hundred and thirty pounds. He, I mean, Jalen Hurts is five ten, five eleven. And probably ran like a four seven, a four six, four seven forty. He's good, but Justin Fields has a stronger arm. He's a bigger athlete, uh, and you know, and he he's just an alpha male. And do you think he has the uh, the capability of uh, making uh, completing passes under pressure? Because let's face it, uh, <laughs> with that Bears offensive line, it's running for his life out there, uh, almost. Every game this season that he played, uh, he very, very rarely did I, I can't, I can't try to remember like Justin Fields standing back, you know, with, you know, like plenty of time. He looks left. He looks right. The- I mean, you got to look at it. it nobody, everybody, <laughs> I think people, I think in Chicago, we have, um, we've been, we, how would I say we in Chicago, we have been traumatized by football for the last three decades. So we over, we over, we're over critical because we just haven't had the consistency of winning in this city to kind of really know what we have when we have it. Uh, I think right now, you know, Luke Getzey, the Bears offensive coordinator, he's uh, the head coach in the senior bowl, uh, in the uh, recent senior cup bowl where they're evaluating talent that they're going to draft. We have the most cap space in the NFL at something like $93 million. Um, and I think they're going to plug those holes. And once they plug those holes, get ready to let's play football. I think we're going to, I think the funny thing is green Bay could end up being the last place team in the NFC. If, if especially with this debacle with Aaron Rodgers, cause I don't think he's going back to green Bay this year. I All think right, he's we'll gone. In, we'll get into Aaron Rodgers. They may be better off without him. Uh, not in the he, immediate though. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what Jordan Love can do. Their their backup quarterback. I mean, he shows promise. But again, I don't want to be one of those. Well, first of all, I don't even like the Green Bay Packers, and I don't really don't like Aaron Rodgers for if his off the field politics and his attitude about COVID. So I'm not going to suddenly start defending Aaron Rodgers here. I don't even think he's the best. This is an argument I get all the time. I don't even think he's the best Green Bay quarterback of the last twenty years of the last. You thirty take years. Far, you take far. Yes. Oh, yeah, but they both won. They both won the same amount of Super Bowls. One Super Bowl that apiece, right? Uh, and Favre came closer to winning a second one, if you recall. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, a a great performance by John Elway that kept him from winning a second one. Uh, I was I was kind of a Brett Favre fan in a weird way. All right, yeah, well, but, I don't um, know how you can say that about Brett when he got that uh, when he got that welfare money to build a. A sports facility. You're right. Okay, I'm talking about on the field. I'm not. Well, off the field too. We just. I used to, I, your antics for Aaron Rodgers are off the field too. So I mean, I hear you. you know, I, he, I, yeah. You know, I, 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 listen. I'm no fan of Brett Favre off the field taking the Mississippi welfare money. 
Uh, and I, that which is at, right up there with Aaron Rodgers um, trying to uh, say that there was something dangerous uh, about uh, getting a, a COVID booster shot. Uh, and he had uh, he had talked to a lot of experts about it. And I guess his expert was Joe Rogan. Uh, that's who he was talking to. Uh made a colossal ass of himself all right uh but uh so who do you hope the bears will uh draft they got the number one pick by virtue of the fact that the, they had the worst record in football uh a text it was uh by the way lee allen who informed me of that because i wasn't paying attention the last game of the week i was so disillusioned and you texted me because the uh, Lovey Smith's team won. Yeah, Lovey, Lovey helped us, baby. Lovey, Lovey. It, lo- we should be having a fan appreciation for Lovey Smith. And he probably got fired for that. He definitely did get fired. And then they hired another black guy, D'Amico Ryans, to come behind him. So the Texans have had three black coaches in three years. That's wild. Who would have thought he, uh, Texas? All right. Uh, so who do you, the Bears have the number one pick. Uh, so they all, they all could pull, pull a trade package uh, where they acquire they trade uh, down and get more draft choices. So there's a possibility to do that. Who would you like to see the Bears draft that, we, that you believe will be a superstar? Oh. I would like to see them get a horde of picks, a horde. I'd like to see them go from one to two, uh, trade with the Texans because the Texans want to get their quarterback, go from one to two, two to four, um, where the co- where, where it would be the trade with the Texans for the number one pick, Bears move to number two, and then with the number two pick, I would expect them to go from two to four with the Colts. If they go from two to four with the Colts and Arizona doesn't trade out of that pick, I think they can trade out of the fourth pick again. So I think I can see three trade backs, and in those three trade backs, I can see them acquiring probably six or seven extra picks. And you think uh, it's better to have six or seven extra picks than any one tremendous yeah, superstar? Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't see – that's how you end up having problems when you draft, especially bringing young guys in, paying them that kind of money, and then expecting them to perform at, at an all-pro level because they were drafted in the first round. I, I don't – I wouldn't do that because you don't – you can get more volume like they did last year, I think, of. Uh, uh, Ryan Poles went into the draft with only five picks, and he came out with 11. And when he traded back, the player that you would have thought he could have gotten the second round ended up being the fifth-round pick, Braxton Jones, uh, that came out of Southern Utah. They played all 17 games and left tackle and ended up being all rookie. So when you have more picks, you can take more shots, and you can just get more development because you got to think about it. Like, look at Brock Purdy. He was the last pick in the draft, and he led his team – you know, to an NFC championship game. So it's not an exact science because you have a high pick that that pick is going to correlate to come in and, and be all that you need them to be. And certainly in Chicago, we know that with the last couple of first round picks that we had, we had, uh, what was it? The wide receiver that we got that didn't do so well, uh, Kevin White. Then we went with, um, uh, we went with uh, Leonard Floyd. That didn't work out like we thought it would work. And then we got Roquan. And those were all top picks. And and you would say, you know, you get a C, and it would just be really based upon Roquan. So if I'm the Bears, I want volume. Because when you look at winning teams, you want a bunch of young guys on their, those first-year contracts, and you want them hungry. And if you recall, the Bears had 15 uh, rookies that played actively on the roster last year. So you got 15 guys that are young, 
that have already, you know, had the rigors of the NFL, bring in another 15 behind that to compete. And now you got a bunch of young, uh, well-coached guys that are out there and they're going to potentially have better health. They'll be more hungry because, you know, this is their first rope. And I think that's where you're going to see Justin Fields emerge is because a young quarterback on a roster full of young people who takes his job serious. And I think those guys are going to play around him. And that's how you lay the foundation for a consistently winning program when you have young guys that are hungry, as opposed to bringing in veterans that, you know, that can end up being overpaid. And once you pay these guys and that money's guaranteed, if they flop, that can take your roster back, uh, you know, worse than drafting a guy that doesn't work out. So uh, you said it's not an exact science. What gives you confidence uh, that Ryan Poles, the general manager who will be making these decisions, uh, knows enough about football to, let's say he follows your 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 advice uh, and trades his high pick for an assortment of lower picks. What makes you think he has uh, the ability to uh, pick the right players that who will stand out for years ago? He, he did it last year when you look at the fact that he had five picks. He came out of those five picks with two rookie starters on defense, would end up being uh, 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 Brisker, uh, who ended up having a really good year at safety, and the other kid that they drafted out of Washington, the corner, Kyler Gordon. He was very solid. They uh, Jack Sanborn, who was an undrafted free agent, he ended up being a very solid outside uh, inside linebacker for the Bears. He drafted uh, the kid Robinson out of Ball State, no, Miami of Ohio. He ended up playing significantly as a rookie, maybe not as productive, but he was a kid that hadn't played a lot of defensive end. Uh, Braxton Jones started 17 games. Uh, then they brought in uh, Josh Blackwell, who ended, ended up like nine special teams tackles. So when you look at the rookie class that the Bears had, knowing that they played 15 rookies, and what did I say? They only lost, they, they lost seven games by, a, by one score or less with a roster of 15 to 20 rookies that participated. So essentially what we saw as a 17-game season really was just an extended preseason to develop their young players to lay the foundation so that when you come back this year with you know some priority free agents and you come back with another strong draft class, I think they have a program that can develop the players they want at, at, at Hallis Hall. And the fact that you already walk in the door with a quarterback that everybody believes in. And if you don't think those guys believe in Justin Fields, I, I, those guys will run through a wall for Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, but can they catch the ball after they're done running through the wall? I think catching the ball is synonymous with pass protection. I think when the Bears solidify, it, when they solidify their, their up front, which I think they're going to be able to do in this draft. And that's the reason I want more draft picks because you could be in a scenario where they could draft the top center. Nobody's taking a center in the top 10, but they need a center. The best center in the draft is John Michael Schmitz, the kid I said from Minnesota that's at Homewood. Could you imagine a scenario where you trade back and you end up having two first round picks, but they're not in the top 10? You can go get a John Michael Schmitz at center and put him right at center. You can go draft the right tackle that's available. I mean, Ohio State has a right tackle. Uh, I'm just looking at the senior bowl, 6'8", 375 pounds, and he can move. 6'8", 375, and guess what? He has a 7'2 wingspan at right tackle. 
So you could get John Michael Schmitz at center and get this guy at right tackle, and your offensive line is fixed. Because you got to think, Braxton is only would be in his second year. You would have two rookies, Braxton, you got Tevin Jenkins that will be going into his third year. Maybe you get rid of Cody Whitehead. Now your, your offensive line would all be under 24 years old with a 23-year-old quarterback, and they would all be under contract, and you wouldn't have to worry about that offensive line for four or five years. That's why you want to trade back. Uh, and then you could come – yeah, you could come back, and then you could come back in the, in the second round with probably four picks in the second round. If you get four picks in the second round and you get the, the, the center and the tackle, you just solved your offensive line in the first round. You could come back in the second round and draft four defensive linemen. You could draft four of the top defensive linemen in the second round, and by the time you got to the third round, you would have solidified your offensive line, you would have solidified your defensive line, and now you can just find different pieces to work with. This may be the most optimistic Bear fan I've ever heard. And you you know what? Somehow or other, the most Bear fans I know were traumatized, as you put it. That was a great line. Were traumatized by, by the Bears' performance over the last 20 or so years. But somehow you re, you got out of it unscathed. Because you just got to look at the development. I was excited about the development because when you when I, I was optimistic, I thought we could win more. But when you saw the fact that they said, hey, we're going to play 15 rookies that fit the mold of what we want to do and we'll take our lumps. And when you do that, now when you come back next year, the strongest parts of the Bears' defense is going to be the defensive backs, being their linebackers. Once they get that defensive line solidified, that's going to make everything better because now they're going to put more pressure on the quarterback. And that's what you're going to see with the Philadelphia Eagles. When you see the Philadelphia Eagles uh, play, that's what the Bears are going to – that's what their goal is. It's going to be this year with that unit. And a lot of people that don't know football don't understand that if you get a dominant defensive line, you can make your offensive line better on a team because of internal competition. And that's kind of why the the Bulls aren't good because they, they don't have internal competition in practice every day to make each other better. That because Zach Levine can do what he wants to do in practice and nobody can, you know, can can come at him like that. If you remember during the Jordan years, Everybody talked about how ferocious Michael Jordan was in practice. You know, those Bulls yeah, teams were one of those. Yeah, but it was he. But, but he practiced the same way he played. He didn't take practice off and, and then think it was going to turn on in the game. And that's, and that's sort of what happens with great teams. Great teams have to be made internally, like Philadelphia Eagles. They have a great offensive line and they have a great defensive line. And that's how you build your team out. I would take the progress that the Detroit Lions made next year. The Detroit Lions have one issue, though, and that's why I think we can make the third trade back. They're going to have to draft the quarterback because if they try to come back with Jerry Goff, that's going to hurt them long term. The same reason Jerry Goff got ran out of L.A. is the same reason he's not going to be able to stay in Detroit. He does not have no, a No, but I'm just saying the home. progress they made between uh, the 2021 season and the 2022 yeah, season. Yeah, and look at where they made their investments. Where did they make their investments at? They had the best center. They had the best center in NFL with somebody that they drafted. They went and signed. They went and drafted Panate Sewell, which was one of the top, ta- which was a top five tackle. They went and signed another. I can't know who their left tackle is, but they built out their offensive line and then they drafted their defensive line. 
and and and, and there you go. And and they and they had some luck. And they get they didn't make the playoffs, but they had the joy of uh, knocking Green Bay. Yeah, but the, 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 but that's the beauty of it. They, they know this. They can't go long term. And this is the other thing. They got James. Their prize piece on offense is Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama. They got hurt that they were able to drag. That was essentially looked at as a number one pick, but he tore his ACL. If you remember, uh, Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama. I don't believe. I believe they want to pair Jamison Williams with the uh, with uh, the quarterback that's at Alabama right now, Bryce Young, because they played. Because you got to think of. All right, wait. I don't want to go down the Detroit Lions path. I want to take you in a different. But it goes back into the Bears scenario of the trade back because there are three quarterbacks in the top of the draft that everybody wants. It's uh, Bryce Young, uh, the kid out of Ohio State, uh, whose name I forget right now, and Will Levis. Those are the top three quarterbacks in the draft. So if you're Detroit and you're sitting at six, you got the sixth pick and you got the 18th or the 12th pick. I think it's the 18th. They have to, because they're going to have, they're going to be stuck with Jared Goff. They don't want to be stuck with Jared Goff considering they got one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL and you got a quarterback that can't get them the ball. So if the Bears go from, that's just listen to my theory. The Texans are the easiest trade partner because you're trading from one to two. You know what I mean? They can get, and they have, and they have, I want to say they have 12 picks in this draft because of the trade with uh, Deshaun Watson with Cleveland. So they can give you another second rounder. Just remember how Ryan Pace got fleeced to move up to get Mitch Trubisky, and he gave up four picks to move up and get Mitch Trubisky. We can, if we can get that scenario and move back to number two, guess who's calling you for that pick? The, the, the Colts, the Colts are going to call you to move up to get that second quarterback. And you might be able to get DeForest Buckner, which is their top defensive tackle. And that trade, because you just never know, they have to move up and get a quarterback. So just imagine, go from one to two, two to four. Now, the beautiful part about four is this. If you're sitting at four as the Chicago Bears and Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, that has won national championships, is still available at number four. Can you, in the day with Tom Brady saying that he's retiring, you know how many teams are going to be calling the Bears for that fourth pick? You're talking about first Detroit is sitting at pick six with two first-round picks. And they can, and if it's Bryce Young, the only thing that can happen in this scenario is the Arizona Cardinals cannot trade out of the number two pick. And if they don't, and the Bears get to number four, and the third quarterback is still available, you're going to end up having a scenario where the Bears, I'm telling you, if they get to four and one of those three quarterbacks is there, the Bears may end up coming out of this draft with 15 picks. All right, uh, and that's the, the that's the similarity you see with Detroit. All right, let me move on to something else related to football, and I, I don't think I've ever asked you this. So this is a total curveball, but I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I'm a, as I always tell you, I'm a lifelong Bears fan. I've been watching Bears football since '66. In the aftermath of uh, Demar Hamlin almost dying on a football field, people have asked me, "How can you still watch football? The violence in football." I get this question about boxing too. I'm a boxing fan as well, but let's just stick with football, not going to boxing. Uh, and I know my answer, but I would like to hear your answer. With all the violence in football, 
How can you, in your mind, justify being a football fan, a football supporter, a football addict, a, fo- a knowledgeable football man? Go ahead. Uh, I mean, it's 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 leisure. I mean, there's a there. I mean, you get people. You know, we live in a violent society. Football is is not as violent as our society. Um, and so when you take that into consideration that these are young men uh, that all have had an opportunity to pursue, um, you know, a, 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 a sport that has changed many of people's lives. I mean, if you take away football, could you imagine what these guys would be if they didn't have football and they were just walking down the street? And got a and got a temper tantrum. It's always been here. I mean, it goes back to the Roman to the Romans. It's a it, what is it? A bread and circus, and that's what it is. This is the new circus, uh, you know. And it, and it's and this is what society wants. This is one of the most uh, the NFL is one of the most uh, respected institutions in our country across race, across religion, across gender, and it actually something. I think it may be the most unifying sport in our society. Take away a sport like football from the civil rights movement. Well, football is non-existent uh, in the civil rights movement uh, of the '60s. Yeah, but uh, I mean, so they were still they were. St- yeah, but look at the integration as as the sport integrated. Look at what happened, and once it began to integrate, and you start getting black men that were able to be seen as men. You know when you know when when they didn't have rights. So you take away sports in general from our society. What other institution? humanize African-American men the way that football, the way that basketball, the way that baseball has. It's a binder of our society. Well, by the way, I, I gave this shout out already when we were doing a show with Monroe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I have always criticized the Bears for their attitudes on race. And uh, I'll never understand the Mitch Trubisky draft for as long as I live. Trading up for, you already said it. Trading I think up you, what Mitch you said, Trubisky. though. You said exactly what you saw. You saw institutional racism play out in that pick. And I think you, George, McCa- uh, George McCaskey might have saw that too. I mean, look at what how he responded since then. George McCaskey might have said, hey, we, 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 the, the white guys are failing us. You know, they're failing us in management and they're failing us on the field. And, you know, and so, George, you, you, you got to look at it. The Bears have gone 180. I mean, I wonder what Papa Bear would say right now. The fact that, you know, this organization is principally run by black men all the way down. And then the assistant uh, GM, Ian Cunningham, he had the opportunity to become the GM with the Cardinals, uh, with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And he came back to be with the Bears. That should tell yeah, you no, a lot. I, I'm with you 100 percent on this. I, I already gave him credit for it with the Monroe thing, and you know I I left the Bears after they drafted Trubisky. I just said I'm through with the Bears, and then when they drafted Justin Fields, I said all right, I'll come back. <laughs> I'll but come think back. about that. The same <laughs> guy did that though. The same guy that did that came back, and he he and I think he may have understood his own institutional racism, and that hurt him in terms of it, it took and, and and so it corrected itself. Like I said, the same dude that drafted Trubisky, he came back and got you Justin Fields. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could have had Patrick Mahomes. Someday I'll get him. Yeah, we, yeah and he, they said that they were going to draft him. They, and did you hear what his father said on the radio here, that he, they, that the Bears had told him that they would draft him, and they didn't? His father was on local radio here, and I think he told Lawrence Holmes that uh, Pat Mahomes was on 
I don't think it was with Lawrence on, but he was on one of the shows here and told, and uh, Pat Mahomes Sr. said that the Bears had told uh, Patrick Mahomes that they were going to draft him and they could have gotten him at number three and they traded up to go get Mitch. That's wow. All right. Let's, let me get beyond that. Uh, I, I got to get beyond that. that. Okay. I got to get that's, over that. that. That's hard. Uh, that's hard, isn't then, it? And then I got all my Bears fans, friends, they're so twisted, uh, traumatized. They go, Ben, even if the Bears took. Patrick Mahomes, he would have been as bad as Mitch Trubisky because that's how the Bears are. And I'm like, I don't think that would have been the yeah, case. Yeah, I think we 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 got some we got some we. It's a lot of trauma. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of trauma when <laughs> it comes a lot to of Chicago. Trauma out there. It's a lot of trauma. I mean, you if you if you talk about double doink, I mean, it's it's been a lot of trauma. Think about it. The Bears. And think about it this way: Who did the Bears miss that field goal against? It was against the Philadelphia Eagles at home. And, um, I mean, let's just not go down that road, Ben. I don't want to go go back on the hype. No, I, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll go. we won't go down that road. Uh, there's a lot of trauma. There has been a lot of trauma for Bears fans. But it's just the, the height of it is where they go, oh, it wouldn't have mattered. And there's still Bears fans. Just think about how inconsistent it wouldn't matter if they took Patrick Mahomes because they're so bad. They would have destroyed him just like they destroyed Mitch Trubisky. So that sort of suggests that Mitch Trubisky and Patrick Holmes are the same, but that Kansas no, City could take a Mitch Trubisky I, I, and turn I, I into think, a Patrick Mahomes, which makes no I sense think, at all. Yeah, I just think that the way that they're now evaluating football players now and all of this um, emphasis on mental health. I think the Bears were in the middle of that because, like I mentioned to you before, I just don't know how you couldn't have uh, uh, ascertained the level of player Pat Mahomes would have been knowing that he was a second-generation professional athlete. I agree. I agree. It's the same. As I told you, he reminds me of Steph Curry in so exactly. many ways. Exactly. It makes a lot Because his dad yeah, was you a are, I was, you are, Yes. And, and, and that, it's like a Manning. It's like a Manning when yeah, you Manning, have yeah. these guys in leadership positions and you say, wow, the guy's father played or uncle played. And so that means that a lot of the things that would undermine their success, those things are really eliminated because he's already grew up in a professional world. I mean, he's been in stadiums. He's been in locker rooms. He's had money his entire life. And that's why for me, when we talk about going back to drafting guys early, I, I'm really worried when you draft guys so high because you got to think, you know, when you draft a guy with the number one overall pick, he's already guaranteed something like 35 to $40 million without doing anything and having proven himself. So to put that type of pressure on a 23-year-old coming in the locker room with grown men and then having to compete against grown men that may not make as much money, it's a lot of pressure. All right. So um, we'll conclude by just making sure I got it correct. Uh, that you believe the Philadelphia Eagles will be the victor- winners of the Super Bowl. Am I correct with that prediction yep. coming from you? Yep, yep. Okay. And I like it that way because, and guess why I like it that way? Because we will see them in the playoffs, and I, and that's going to be a game. I, can, I, I, I want him to win. I want him to win because you got to think about it. Justin Fields is such a wired and intense guy. You want to see Jalen Hurts win this championship. You want to see him do it. It's like when when uh, it's like Justin seeing the quarterback that got drafted ahead of him down in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, with him winning that one playoff game. A guy like Justin Fields is going to internalize that. 
He's going. That's going to drive him all offseason, seeing that Trevor Lawrence run a playoff game, that Jalen Hurts was able to lead his team to the Super Bowl in year three. Those are narratives that are going to make him run through a wall to win for this franchise. And that's the type of guy you want in the clutch. And what I love about Justin Fields is he's the first quarterback that I've seen that that he can take a game. And if he gets into the end of the game and he needs a score, he can put his team in field goal position by himself. Much like Patrick Mahomes did on Sunday. Yeah, but with yeah, that yeah run. much like yeah, <laughs> with, with that run on the, on a bum leg. And that's what the modern NFL is. The modern NFL is who do you have that can win that game in 15 seconds? Does your quarterback have the skill set to win a game in 15 seconds? And that's what the modern NFL quarterback is based upon. All right. Uh, Leon, thank you very much. We're running out of time, so we'll hold off of the Bulls question uh, for another time because that's just a whole other. Uh, that, that's, that you know, oh my gosh, <laughs> we we oh my oh my gosh, Zach. I mean, how many times can you shoot three pointers and there's nobody in the paint to rebound? Seriously, how many three pointers can you shoot and nobody's crashing the boards? I mean, in a city that had Charles Oakley, in a city that had Dennis Rodman. You're telling me that we have nobody in the paint to grab a rebound. With all of these three-point shooters. you Okay, I'm just going to say something. Those two rebounders that you named played for the Bulls, one in the 80s, that's when Charles Oakley paid, played for the Bulls, and one in the 90s, that's when Dennis Rodman played. I can't think of a great Bulls rebounder in the 21st century. Oh, yeah, it would be, what was the guy's name they got from Detroit that they brought in? He ben Wallace. Re- yeah, Ben Wallace. The Bulls signed Ben Wallace and then went on a weird thing. I was just, just thinking about this. All the, they, like, they signed him and then they said, take off your headband. Like, the weird thing the Bulls do. I just can't Yeah, 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 ben yeah. Wallace. I mean, but that's the thing, though. Like, we, how do you not rebound? That's what I can't understand in Chicago. I, I, With I, that I, history. The city of big shoulders and nobody rebounds. I, I'm thinking on this Bulls lineup, uh, Vukovic is a good uh, uh, rebounder getting the ball after the other team misses shot. He's not a great offensive rebound. The Bulls don't have a tenacious rebounder. It's not that, been and, part and, of the culture. And, and, and in that's this my point. And the how don't you? I mean, how don't you have a junkyard dog that just wants to rebound? And how can Billy Donovan? Knowing that you're playing in the East, I thought Andre Drummond was going to be that. Actually, there you go. Andre Drummond is a good rebounder. But how are you not playing him when you, if you can't, if you don't, it's like, it's like, how don't you rebound? Seriously. Like, like when you, how many shots can you see the Bulls take with nobody, with everybody on the perimeter and nobody rebound? You can go find, listen to this, you can go on the west side and go find somebody that can grab 15 boards today in Chicago for the type of money they're paying those guys. Okay, and we will allow end the conversation there because that reminds me of so many conversations I had with, back in the 80s where people would tell me, I could go on the west side right now and get 10 guys as good as Larry Bird. And I would say, no, you can't. No, you can't. There's only one Larry Bird. He's one of the There's greatest basketball players. There's not 10 guys on the West side as good no, as Larry no. Bird. I, I'm just saying a skill set <laughs> like rebounding is just based on physical toughness 
it is hard to believe you can't like if you take away Draymond Green from the Golden State, how do they get those second chance shots? Those guys rebound. If you want to shoot, I've always heard if you want to shoot, you got to rebound. Yeah. It's just not part of the Bulls culture. All right, we're going to end this conversation. We've gone too long. I can go Thanks on. Again. You Thank talking you. about the Bulls rebounding is me talking about the Bears offensive line. We're not going to solve that one uh, anytime soon. Lee Allen Jones, I hope you're right. Not so much in your Super Bowl prediction, but in your prediction of the Bears. Well, that's talking about uh, 30 draft. days when free agency. Let's just, hey, you got to think, we got $93 million in cap space. So let's have another discussion around free agency because. We can, like you say, things can be solved. You make two acquisitions on that offensive line, and it could be. And there's another local guy, Graham Posick, uh, who was the center for the Seahawks uh, from Lamont. He's a free agent, so he could possibly be coming back home too. And he's 6'6", 320. All right, very good. Lee Allen Jones, I want to thank you very much. We'll bring you back for uh, draft and free agency, uh, and you can do a triumphant uh, celebration as the Bears. Hey, I'm excited, man. I'm, hey, hey. It's been a lot of trauma. I just want to. I just want to get everybody feeling good about things and and get some <laughs> get some some new and, air and going around. Yeah, in the trauma. Maybe that might need to be the shirt in orange and blue. In and the, the trauma, trauma twenty three. <laughs> twenty three. Man. It was funny because a lot of truth. We, 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 when Cam Buckner was on the show and Cam Buckner running for mayor, uh, good 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 lefty running for mayor, and uh, right up there with Brandon Johnson, we have a few good lefties running for mayor. Um, he, we got into a little bears conversation, uh, because he's the one who sponsored legislation to keep the bears, uh, from, uh, getting a, a subsidy by the state for their new stadium in Arlington Heights. And he pointed out that he's a long, uh, time bear fan, a big time football player as well, played in Illinois. Uh, and then he pointed out, he goes, uh, I, uh, I was born the last year the bears made, uh, the Super Bowl. And I just said, well, you know what, Cam? I got to tell you, uh, that means the Bears haven't been in the Super Bowl since. I mean, that means you were born in 1985. <laughs> it's yes. a long time. Hey, did Cam tell you who he worked for? And I know you got to go. Did he tell you who he used to work for? Yeah, the Cubs. He worked for the Cubs. No, he, used to work, he used to work with Kevin Warren when he was in Minnesota. When he was uh, doing the same job for Minnesota, helping them oh. build their stadium, Cam worked with uh, the Bears team president then. He, he, he did not. He did not uh, tell me that, but he did say uh, that he was against any public financing for the Bears' new stadium. Although he pointed out, if the, the people of Arlington Heights want to spend their property tax dollars on the Bears' stadium, he's got no problem with it because it's got nothing to do with the city of Chicago. So that's a whole different ball game. But uh, no city money for the Bears. Uh, and no state money. All right. Very good. Lee Allen Jones, thank you very much. We'll talk thank to you, you soon, all right? You have a great right, evening. Leon Jones. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.